Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Lord, I just pray that you will open our eyes, that we may behold some more of the exciting, life-changing truths that are contained therein. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will so move among us by your Holy Spirit that we will leave this place tonight with a fresh determination to be your people, to honor your name, to seek first your kingdom, and to reach out in the power of your Spirit to those whom you call us to love and to serve. In your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. It is an incredible honor and privilege to serve you this week in this convention, and it's a great joy for both Helen and I to be here uh, with you. It's also an honor to be in this church, which is so well known throughout our province, this church building, Hamilton Road Presbyterian. And it may relieve some of you who are rather anxious about the Church of Ireland to know that my mother was Presbyterian, and she was a real Presbyterian, I have to tell you, because she grew up in Clough Presbyterian Church, hey, near Balamina. And that's where you go right and quack and you practice for Danner, hey, you know? And I tell you, you can't get more Presbyterian than Clough Presbyterian near uh, Balamina. So it's a great privilege to serve here. And one of my uh, oldest friends, Trevor Morrow, used to be an assistant here. And some years ago, he was uh, due to preach at the New Horizon event in Coleraine. And because of sickness, he had to pull out. Uh, fairly close to the event itself and uh, a couple of us stood in for him and uh, this guy came up to me and he said Fanta I'm delighted to hear you're speaking this week but I'm so sorry Trevor isn't speaking he's really anointed (laughs) so I said thank you Barnabas it's lovely to meet you I ask you to pray that everyone who's participating this week will be anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach words of life and truth that will change our lives so that we'll be different people. And it may just be that God may have some surprises for some of us this week. Just watch this short video. I hope that hasn't happened to anybody here, by the way. It wasn't quite what he was expecting. Sure it wasn't. He didn't quite read the signals properly, did he? 
The reason I showed that is because sometimes God surprises us. And sometimes we're like the guy in bed. We don't hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. And we misread and we mishear. And I really believe when God speaks into our lives through his word, then there are surprises. And who knows by the end of this week in which areas of our lives God will have challenged us and which new avenues of service will open up to us and for us. So let's come before God this week, morning, evening, whatever event we're attending, afternoon, really seeking God's heart for us, for his church today. I find this passage in Matthew chapter 9 profoundly, profoundly intriguing. Let me ask you this. Do you ever engage in that most popular of pastimes and recreational activity, which some refer to as people-gazing? Do you ever sit in the airport just looking at other people and thinking to yourself, now what's behind that face? What's going on in that light? Where do they come from? Or in the supermarket, husbands, do you ever sit in the car waiting for her? You know, I've heard some men say we spend half our lives chasing them and the other half waiting for them, but I would dispute that completely. That's just simply not true. Or in a bus station or a train station, just sit looking at people and you think, what's going on in their lives? When I served in various churches and would do what we were what we call door-to-door visiting, often I would uh, observe the phenomenon called curtain moving. Have you ever seen curtain moving? Some of the streets of Belfast or some of the villages and, oh, I didn't know you were over there. And they did because you'd seen the curtain moving and you'd seen them having a wee juke to see if you were across the road visiting Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so. We all have a fascination with people. And one of the things that fascinates me with people is what is it motivates people? Why do we do what we do? And I think in this passage at the end of Matthew 9, we have a real insight into what motivated the carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus, the Son of God. We read here in verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. There is a real insight into what motivated Jesus during his 33 years here on earth. Compassion for people. And why was Jesus on earth? Because a God of grace and mercy was so moved by love and compassion, he so loved the world that he gave. He sent his son. There was such compassion in his heart for people made in his image that he could do no other than send his best, his only son, as an expression of his love. And God forgive us, look what we did to him. And as we begin the convention this weekend with prayer on Friday night and Helen Roosevelt last night and now tonight, honestly, before God, what is it motivates you and me in our Christian lives and service? Do we know anything about this love for God and love for others, this compassion that is such a unique mark of our God? This compassion that motivated Jesus 
to do what he did. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Let's be honest about it. Some of us don't even see the crowds, let alone have compassion on them. Some of us are so rude to people. Some of us ignore people. Adrian Plass once said, I'd be a wonderful Christian if it wasn't for other people. Some of us spend our lives avoiding people. And yet we claim to worship a God who not only loves people, but whose son died for people. We are in the people business, folks, in the church of God. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And remember, this is something far deeper and stronger and more ragged and rugged than just feeling sorry for somebody or or feeling pity for somebody. We're talking about what's in God's heart for the people he's created. Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote this when he was preaching on this particular verse, and I quote, What Jesus saw affected not his eye only, but his heart. His whole frame was stirred with an emotion which put every faculty into forceful movement. So what Spurgeon is saying is Christ's whole being was caught up in his compassion and love for people. Love is more than just words and talk. Love is about action. It's about deeds. It's about the kind of people we are. Because that's our God. Not just a God of words, but a God of action. Let me tell you a lesson I learned, and I tell it with shame, because I am ashamed of it. But I tell you, I learned a lesson that I never forgot. I was a student at Trinity College in Dublin, and every so often in the Christian Union, we'd have an outreach event and some special evangelistic event. And there was one particular guy I was praying for, and whenever we'd something special on and see you, I'd go and I'd invite him to come along to the particular lecture, whatever it was, was happening. This happened quite a few times. And one day I went to his room to invite him to something, and I will never, ever forget this. Have you ever had somebody let you have it? Well, he let me have it. And he shouted across the room at me, Fanta Clark, all you care about is my soul. And to my shame, he was right. And I was wrong. Because you see, the Jesus of the Gospels The Jesus we claim to love and follow is a Christ who cares for the whole person. How did that passage begin tonight? Jesus went about, verse 35, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus cares for the whole person, body, mind, emotions, soul. I was only caring for that young man's soul. May God forgive me. Christ cares for the whole person. And if you and I are serious about loving God and loving others, we need to see people as Jesus sees people. Someone once said, I remember hearing an African preacher said, Jesus had a PhD degree. He was into preaching, healing, and deliverance. 
how right he was. However that may be, I wonder do we in the church today need to catch a fresh vision of the depth of compassion that Christ has for people. A teacher was teaching in school in a religious education class one day, and he made this staggering statement. He said, Jesus Jesus never met a prostitute. And one of the young teenagers in the teacher's class said, but hold on, sir, Jesus met Mary Magdalene. And the teacher said, yes, that's right, he met Mary Magdalene. You see, he didn't see her primarily as a prostitute. He saw her as Mary, the person, with profound needs. But he loved her. And sometimes we denigrate people by giving them labels or calling them names. Jesus calls us by Michael or John or Mary or Margaret. He knows you by name. I know it's a cliche, but I'm absolutely convinced it's true that people in the 21st century do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. Is that not one of the reasons why Jesus had such an impact on the publicans, the tax collectors, those described as the sinners of his day, those who suffered from leprosy, the lonely, the marginalized, the last, the least, the lost, Because he cared for them. They knew it. Read John 4. Look at that encounter between Jesus and the woman of Samaria. She was the first, he was the first man she'd met in years who wasn't out for her body. He cared for her. His heart was moved with compassion for her. And look at the wonderful change in her life. Praise God. She met somebody who cared. And if the church today is to make any impact on the society and the culture that we're a part of, we need to be known as a church that cares. We need to be known as people whose lives are marked by compassion, not condemnation. What did the Apostle Paul say about what motivated him? What was in his heart? Did he not say something like, The love of Christ controls us, motivates us to do what we do. I believe passionately that people today don't hear with their ears, they hear with their eyes. And when they see that Christ-like compassion in your life, in mine, in the church today, they take notice. Because they see so much fraud everywhere else. They see greed and lust and selfishness and self-centeredness. And they meet somebody who genuinely cares for them and respects them and has compassion on them. They can't get over it. That's our Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And how did he see them? Well, Matthew tells us because they were harassed and helpless like sheep. Without a shepherd, harassed, helpless. What are some of the buzzwords of our generation? What are some of the words we hear most often? Well, have we ever heard words like stress, anxiety, tension, worry, pressure? 
Ever heard any of those words? Oh, I can't cope anymore. Oh, I feel so much. And on and on it goes. Harassed. Helpless. Has anything changed in 2,000 years? As Jesus looks on the crowds in Northern Ireland, on this whole island of Ireland today, as Jesus looks at the crowds of people across the world today, does he see people who are still harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? Of course he does. Of course he does. No direction. No purpose. No solid ground to build their lives on. Does it not break your heart that a 19-year-old boy in our community needs a liver transplant because of binge drinking? In the Republic of Ireland, between a third and a half of 15-year-old boys binge drink every month. What's going on in our culture, in our society? Are we moved with compassion as we see people harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd? I suggest to you that we're still the same today as the people Jesus looked at then. I was deeply impacted a couple of years ago when we live in Cavan in the Republic of Ireland and in the Irish Independent, one of the main daily newspapers, there was this newspaper cutting. I have it at home of uh, two 14-year-old girls in France who invited some of their school friends to go up to a floor. I can't remember which number it was. It was quite high up in a high-rise building. Invited them to come up and stand outside the room. And then at a given moment, these two 14-year-old girls who were inside the room asked their friends to come in. And as their friends came into the, girl, the, into the room, they saw their two 14-year-old friends standing on the balcony. They jumped to their death. And inside the clothing of one of those 14-year-old girls was found a little note, and it said, Life is not worth living. 14 years old. The continent we're a part of. People harassed, helpless, like sheep, without a shepherd. I remember listening to someone not so long ago, and she said to me, I feel as if I'm in God's pending file. Forgotten. Uncared for. How does this passage conclude? Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest then to send out workers into his harvest field. What kind of workers are to be sent out? People who love God and love people. That's what God's looking for in the church today. It's no good if we don't love the people God loves. We're only going to irritate. We're going to divide. We're going to spoil. We're going to tarnish. I love the story of the pastor and his wife who were entertaining the visiting preacher to lunch one Sunday after the morning service. And they sat at the table, and the mother was horrified when she saw their little boy had filthy hands up at the Sunday dinner table. And this was in the presence of this distinguished visitor, the visiting preacher. And the mother said, come on, Johnny, what do I tell you about germs and washing hands? Leave the table immediately and go and wash your hands. 
And as the little lad was going out of the room to wash his hands, his mother and father were mortified. Pastor's son, when they heard him muttering, and the visiting preacher heard it as well, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus, that's all I ever hear about in this house, and I've never seen either. How is the world to see Jesus today? There's a lot of damaged lives out there. There's a lot of hurting people out there. There's a lot of broken relationships out there. There's a lot of loneliness out there. How are people to see Jesus? Well, they will see Jesus in you and in me, or they won't. People don't read their Bibles anymore. There are more people read their horoscopes every day than read the Bible. You're the Bible people read, your life and my life. That's how they're going to find out about the Lord of the harvest, this Christ of compassion, this Jesus who cares. I love that saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And so often in the church we're distracted and part of the main thing in the church is that we are called by Jesus to love as he loved. Did he not say to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you? He's giving us the model. He's telling us how to do it. Recently, I I came across this uh, article that I share with you. I thought it was quite powerful, actually. It was written by a lady who was a nurse. Her name was Maggie. And just listen to how inauthentic Christians repelled her from God and from the church. She said, and these are her words, The Christianity I grew up with was so confusing to me, even as a child. People said one thing, but did another. They appeared very spiritual in public, but were abusive in private. What they said and what they did never fitted. There was such a discrepancy. I came to hate Christianity, and I did not want to be associated with the church. Folks, that's Ireland today. There are people right across this island of Ireland who are totally sick of the words of professing Christians because the life of the Christian and the words of the Christian don't match up. May God forgive us. It's not that long ago since the leader of the PUP party died and there was that remarkable service on East Belfast for him. And that evening I was traveling in the car and I was listening to the evening news and heard excerpts from the memorial service to David Irvine on the Newtonards Road. And one of the speakers, I don't know who it was, stood up and he said this. And you could hear the response from that packed church. He said, I'm not a very, I'm not a very religious man. I don't know if there is a heaven or not. But when I look at the lives of some of the people in East Belfast who talk to me about heaven, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. That was Maggie. What the people said and how they lived didn't match up. Maggie continues, something amazing happened. She read in the newspaper about a debate that was to take place between a Christian and an atheist. 
And she went to the debate because she wanted to hear the Christian defeated. However, the Christian clearly came out on tops and was quite convincing. And so now Maggie was confused. She began writing letters with her questions to a Christian leader. And after a while, she joined a small study group with a couple of other Christians, which was composed of people who were seeking for faith. And this is what she wrote later, and I quote, When I came to church and to my small group, I needed gentleness. I needed to be able to ask any question. I needed to have my questions taken seriously. I needed to be treated with respect and validated. Most of all, now listen carefully to this, most of all, I needed to see people whose actions match what they say. I need to hear real people talk about real life. And I need to know if God is or can be a part of real life. Does he care about the wounds I have? Does God care that I need a place to live? Can I ever be a whole healthy person? I have asked questions like these and I have not been laughed at or ignored or invalidated. I have not been pushed or pressured in any way. And then she says this, I don't understand the caring I've received. Praise God. I don't understand that the leaders don't seem to be afraid of questions. They don't say things like, oh, you just have to have faith, Maggie. You need to pray more. They seem genuine. And then she ended her letter with a poem that she'd written for the two Christians who led her small group. Just listen to her words in this poem. Do you know... That you under, do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind that maybe Jesus is gentle. Maybe he isn't someone who laughs when I'm hurt. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think What if Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk honestly about arguments and conflict and scars from your past, that I think, well, maybe I am just a regular person instead of a bad, no good little girl who deserves abuse. If you care, then maybe Jesus cares. And then there's that flame of hope that burns inside of me. And for a while, I'm afraid to breathe in case it might go out. Do you know, do you understand that your words are his words? That your face is his face to someone like me? Please, be who you say you are. And God, please don't let this be another trick. Please let this be real. Please. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Isn't that what impacted people when Jesus walked on this earth? His compassion was genuine. His love was real. He really did care for the harassed and the helpless, the lost and the lonely. When we are consumed with love 
for this Jesus, with love for our God, then we love the people he loves. We see what he sees. People, harassed, helpless. We hear what he hears. The cries of the lost, the frustrations of the stressed, the groans of the lonely. And by his grace and mercy, God uses us in ways that surprise us. And people are impacted. And lives are changed. And they bow before the Christ of the cross. And they're in the family. We as a family have gone through, and with this I finish, a very difficult time in the past couple of weeks. Helen's mum, who had terminal cancer and was expected to live until the autumn time, went to glory just 10 days ago. We'd agreed that Helen would move in with her in Dublin to care for her, fully expecting that she would be there till late September, October. But just a week ago yesterday, we had her funeral service in Dublin, a wonderful Thanksgiving service. She was the kind of person who impacted people wherever she went. Do you know why? Because of her love for Christ and her love for the people Jesus loves. We're hearing story after story of people whose lives were impacted through her loving, gentle witness. In that service, Helen is one of six children. Her youngest brother paid his mother, our mum, personal tribute and he said this and I quote as I have thought about her life and tried to boil down all the memories of who she was I feel her life can be summarized by two deep passions a passion for God and a passion for people folks that's our Jesus I always do what pleases my father passion for God the Father. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, a passion for people. It will surprise all of us what God will do when our hearts and the hearts of the church today burns with the flame of compassion for our God and compassion and love for the people he loves. May it be so. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are sorry for the times when we get it wrong. And we thank you for your forgiveness. We pray that you will so fill us with your spirit of holiness, the spirit of Christ, that the people we meet, whether at work, at home, in our family, amongst our circle of friends, in the clubs we're in, whoever they are, Lord, we pray that in each of our lives they will see something of the Jesus who died on the cross and who loves them so deeply. 
Lord, fill us afresh and fill our hearts afresh with what fills your heart. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.
We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.